A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Rays fans, as my good friend John Gruden once said, future's so bright, man, I gotta wear shades. How about Jake Bowers hits his first Major League home run and his longtime teammate, Willie Adamez, drives in a couple big runs. Is this the start of something? And the Bucks begin mandatory minicamp today. And Jason Pierre-Paul, good news, he's in the building. And are you tired of Alex Ovechkin drinking and sleeping with the Stanley Cup? What if the Golden State Warriors were behaving like that? It's a question asked by Tom Jones, the columnist of the Tampa Bay Times. And we're going to talk to him about all of that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud with the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. And before we get started, I want to tell you about a special offer from Audible.com. Sign up now and get a free 30-day trial. That's a $15 value. And as a listener to this podcast, you also get a free audiobook. Here's what you do now. You just go to Audible.com slash Sports Day. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash Sports Day. And that's how you get your free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. Tom Jones joins us now. And, Tom, you wrote a pretty provocative column in this morning's Tampa Bay Times. I guess you're not really thrilled with the hangover <laughs> part three that's going on with the Washington Capitals and uh, Alex Ovechkin. Is no, that, I that- love it. I love the hangover with these guys. I love what they're doing. I think it's awesome. Alex Ovechkin has turned the Stanley Cup celebration back into what it's supposed to be, right? I mean, he's swimming in, in public fountains. He's drinking more beers than than you see at a frat house on a Saturday night. Uh, him and his buddies are going everywhere. They're going to Vegas. They, 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 were, they won the Cup in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, what a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think all this is absolutely awesome. And I think it's – now, here's the thing, though. I'm telling you right now, the Washington Capitals will never, ever win another Stanley Cup again <laughs> because these guys, this is too, they're having too much fun. It's like they really look like a team that's like totally fat and satisfied now. Like they're never going to come back and win another Cup again because they've already accomplished their wildest dreams, it looks like. But no, I actually kind of like what they're doing. Don't, don't you dig it, what they're doing? No, I thought it's been uh, fun. I think I think it looks almost dangerous at some point that, it does. that maybe the cup won't. They have somebody to watch the Stanley Cup at all times. They need someone to watch Alex Ovechkin at all times because I think that's you should be more worried about that than a damn trophy. Well, but having I, said the that, cup, the cup holders got to be scared to death right now. <laughs> yeah, all the stuff that's going on. He's finally earning his money. But having said all that, this has sort of been the culture of hockey. With this trophy, this is what yes. makes, I think, in part, this the most hardest to earn, remarkable trophy. You know, if you're talking about a trophy in sport, certainly this one ranks right up because of that. And, and typically players don't get to keep it for a whole year the way Ovechkin seems to want to do, <laughs> but they actually give it to their teammates to have for a day or so themselves, and, and that's the cool part of it. So isn't that supposed to be the culture of hockey? They're doing exactly yes. what any team would do? Yes, and and we've seen stories in the past where it's been taken to like strip clubs, and Mario Lemieux went swimming in his pool with it, and yeah, you you know like what back in the nineteen twenties got left on the side of a road somewhere, uh, and and Chris Draper of the Detroit Red Wings put his daughter in it, and she ended up like taking a poop in it. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I guys eat cereal out of it, like all these all this crazy stuff that which has become legend. 
But it seems like in, in recent years, we've sort of gotten away from it. Now, you know, we've seen clips of like Sidney Crosby sleeping with the, and that's become a big thing, like sleeping yeah. with the trophy. But like this, this uh, just crazy sort of animal house type behavior with the Stanley Cup, we haven't seen it in a few years. And it's, it's pretty cool to watch the Capitals do it because, uh, you know, this is an organization that hadn't won a cup ever. 44 years they've been in the league. Alex Ovechkin, every time he turned around, somebody was reminding him that he never won the Stanley Cup. And so they're they're treating it exactly like you would expect a team that has never won a Stanley Cup to treat it. And that's what I, I really thoroughly appreciate. And it's almost, it's been kind of refreshing for me to watch it because we've seen, I mean, we've seen sports where, it's become such a business for some people. And this, this truly, this has nothing to do with money with these guys. I mean, Alex Ovechkin, you could tell, is just genuinely excited to have won a Stanley Cup. And the people of Washington, it's it's the perfect storm where you have mm-hmm. a player who's never won it in a city that's never won it, and they're celebrating this thing together. And it's it's a, it's been a really cool scene as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, what you call falling asleep with the cup, I call passing out with the cup. <laughs> yeah. That aside – the tomato, your, tomato, man. What? Yeah. The purpose of your column, though, I think, as I read through it, is that um, you talk about how, while this is, seems to be acceptable and people are sort of relishing watching the, the Capitals relish in it, what would happen if this were the Golden State Warriors behaving exactly the same way? They've won three out of four uh, NBA titles. They are right. a, a juggernaut themselves. and. Yet, in basketball, we don't see this behavior, number one. But you go a little further than that um, and say, you know, J.R. Smith got a lot of pushback. Uh, You know, if it had been the Cavs winning this. uh, In fact, when he took his shirt off, like, that was kind of a big deal. So It was. So what are you kind of saying here exactly? Well, like, let, what's, me, what's let, me go back, let me go back to the origins of where this column came from because it, it actually came from a tweet that I didn't include in the column because I didn't want to put words in somebody else's mouth. But there's sure. a, a woman by the name of uh, Candace Buckner mm-hmm. who writes for the uh, – she covers the Washington Wizards. And she tweeted out, and it was a very – she did it brilliantly how she sort of – and I'm not going to get the tweet exactly right, but sure. it was something along the lines of um, I want to live in a world where people can go out and, and behave this type of way. Anybody, you know, include yeah. – and what she was saying was basically NBA players can go out and everybody else would go, gee, isn't that really cool? And a lot of people – I read the comments and a lot of people took it to mean like, yeah, this is great that the Capitals I, – I wish I I wish I was a Washington Capital. And that's not – I don't think that's what she was that saying. That wasn't I quite think, what she was saying. Yeah. I think her, her her quiet, subtle dig was if NBA players acted like this, there would be a backlash. And let's face it, the backlash would be because they're African-American. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that everybody feels this way. But I went back and looked at some of the comments that people made when J.R. Uh, Smith took his shirt off and for basically three days or four days. Like, he lost his shirt somewhere on the way home from when He's they like won the title. that way. He loves being without his shirt. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And all of a sudden, he gets and, – and I looked at the comments, and people were like, what a tool this guy is, and way yeah. to stay classy, J.R., and this guy's an idiot, and act like you've been there before, even though they hadn't been there before. The Cleveland was – Cleveland's the Washington Capitals. You know, the Capitals yeah, were the Washington absolutely. Capitals. Absolutely. So, uh, so I, it was just, to me, it's interesting to sort of look at the, the reaction for some people. It seems like everybody's uh, just applauding the Washington Capitals. Isn't this great? They're just having such a great time. Whereas if Kevin Durant, really, if Kevin Durant starts swimming around in a, in a pool somewhere or a public fountain or Steph Curry were to somehow turn the, the, the NBA trophy 
into a thing where you could take jello shots out of, would people mm-hmm. be reacting the same way that they are towards Ovechkin, which is, isn't this great? Now, I realize there's some of it is people are sick of Golden State, and it's like Golden State's won a million titles, and they're they're tired of them. But there's like there's a racial element to it. I think there. I got I got some emails already from from people who said I know exactly what you're talking about. That I think yeah. there would be a different reaction if NBA players had done this as opposed. Now maybe it's like look maybe it's the culture of hockey too. Maybe if baseball players did this and football players did it, we they would have the it would be the same as if NBA players. I think hockey. Maybe the larger point is, and although I don't think so, is that hockey gets more of an excuse. You sort of alluded to this a minute ago, Rick, that hockey, there's almost, it's expected of them to go crazy with the Stanley Mm -hmm. Cup. And maybe we should be more accepting of other sports if they do that as well. Or maybe hockey players shouldn't do it. Maybe we should be more grown up than they are. Is that possible that we've outlived in this this era of, and I'm serious about this, in this area of social media where everything is maybe not a moment you want to capture for perpetuity. Maybe they should be a little more careful that what, what they're putting out there. Yeah. I, I, I understand what you're saying by that. Uh, there's a part of me that, again, I like the fact that these guys, this means something to them, that it isn't about money, that it isn't about, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so excuse to party for about, it's a an year excuse and a half. to party. Now, I, I mean, if nobody's getting hurt, you know, if they're being responsible, <laughs> well, hey, yeah. you know, what do I, what, what do we care what they do with the Stanley Cup? What grown adults do, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, interesting column, something that uh, question we can all maybe ask ourselves. Uh, and, and I did want to ask you with respect to the Caps, since uh, they have won the Stanley Cup and that was the team that the Lightning took to seven games. It seems as if the Lightning have a, a history <laughs> of losing to the eventual Stanley Cup champions. So that maybe happens when you advance for par and then don't win at all. Nonetheless, what do you think the Lightning will take from what the Caps or from any team? Is there something to be gained um, from watching the team you took to seven games win it all? I think there's – I think you would rather this happen this way. You you would rather – wouldn't you rather lose to the team – I know you did a podcast about this the other day, about mm-hmm. would you rather lose to the team that goes on to win the Stanley Cup or do you want to lose to a team that then gets annihilated in the next round by somebody else? Sure. And it feels like you're a million miles away. I bet at the end of the day, John Cooper and, and – uh, and Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, and those guys—they probably don't care who won the Stanley Cup. It doesn't really because it make wasn't it them. Any... Yeah, it wasn't yeah. them. That's a, yeah. You're you either won the cup or you didn't win the cup, and they're a team that didn't win the cup. The fact that it was the, the team that, that eliminated them might make you feel good for a second, and maybe you can bring that up in the future. Like, hey, we were this close, uh, and we only lost to the team that that was better than everybody else. Then again, it, does that make you first loser? You know, I don't know. So, I think ultimately the players don't care about that, but. I, I don't know. I think I would rather, if it was me, I'd rather lose to the team that won it all as opposed to losing to a team that was basically the second or third or fourth team in the league. Um, I think what it does is does validate the idea, if you believe this, that they are that close to winning a Stanley Cup. If you feel like, hey, this team doesn't need to make a major overhaul, it doesn't need to make major changes, it just needs to keep plugging away and plugging away, and eventually it's going to break through one of those years. And that seems to be the attitude that Steve Eiserman has taken, that it's just taken some time. Um, but I, ultimately, I don't know that the players care, but I think it's. I think I probably would like to lose to a team that won the Cup as opposed to a team that, that finished third or fourth or whatever <clears> you would want to put them. Yeah, and let, to your, like you said, though, always a bridesmaid. It really doesn't matter unless you're going to get the ring, right? So. Yeah, exactly. How did you feel? I mean, what did you feel about it? Did you feel like I felt it I would feel this? Nah, I would feel this way about it. I would say, boy, 
this was a big opportunity wasted because yeah. I think when you see the Caps do what they did against Las Vegas, mm-hmm. it's got to be a big part of the Lightning that believed they would have won it all. That the team they beat that that beat them was the only team that would have beaten them and denied them the cup. And and when you had two games to push, you know, the, to put away the Caps and didn't score a goal, I think that would eat at you even more. I'm not saying that it, it you know all those things you said are true with about you know we're probably the second best team maybe. Um, you know, in the NHL, although you can't prove that because you didn't play Las Vegas. But I think when you see what, what Las Vegas was unable to do to Washington and you had them down 3-2 to two after losing the first two games, mm-hmm. I think that stings a little bit more, if you ask me. Well, you might be right because you look back at I can tell you who won the 1993 Stanley Cup and who won the 94 Stanley Cup and who won yeah. the 95 Stanley Cup. I can't tell you who the second best team was those years. Well, I can no. tell you, I can tell you who the teams beat to win the Cup. Sure. But, you know. But I don't know that I could look back and say, yeah, but the year that the Penguins won in 1992. They just uh, barely they, beat. They, yeah. you know, they, they beat. They, yeah, they barely won the first-round series against Washington or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. Nobody remembers that stuff. So, no. yeah, you do. And here's the other thing, too, Rick. Maybe you would feel better if, if, if you're the uh, – say right now you're the Cleveland Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could say, man, we've just run into the, to the same buzzsaw every year. We're yeah. really good, but there's one team out there that we just can't beat. Well, if you look better. at the Tampa Bay Lightning, I mean, yeah, they're finishing runner-up, but runner-up to different teams every time. Right. You know, one year it was right. Chicago, another year it was Pittsburgh, this year it's Washington. So there is this sense that other teams are taking advantage of those opportunities. And look, I think the thing that would upset me most, you're right, Rick, there was, here's the thing. You look back, Pittsburgh, they were up three games to two, couldn't close it out. They were up this year three games to two against Washington. Couldn't close it out. If you go back to the series against the uh, the Blackhawks, they had a lead early in that series, I want to say, two to one in that series. Two to one, yeah. Didn't close that out. And if you sit there now, now maybe five years from now, we'll look back after they've won a couple of cups and say, well, it all worked out and they were, what a great, what a great run that was. But if you haven't won a Stanley Cup, as they have not yet, it's you can't sit here and say, well, they're going to win one. You don't. Maybe they never win one. And you know, you like you said, you hate to see those opportunities go to waste. There's no guarantee they're going to be back there next year. Who thought they they missed the playoffs a year ago? Now, do sure. I think they'll miss the playoffs? Do I think they're going to win a cup in the next three or four years? Yeah, I do, but I wouldn't bet my house on it necessarily because there's too many things that can go wrong. We've seen that. I mean, look at the Golden State Warriors. Golden State Warriors. I think we can all agree this is the best basketball team we've seen. In probably twenty or thirty years, I mean this this team is a don, you know since the Jordan Bulls. I mean that's how good this team is, and yet they almost lost this year in a game seven, and it was because Chris Paul got hurt. You know, I mean sure. you never know. Guys get hurt. Guys, something goes crazy. You get a bad call. You get a bad game, that can ruin it. And and so until the Lightning wins a cup, you can sit there and say, well, they almost beat Washington. They almost beat Pittsburgh. They almost beat Chicago. But until you win a cup, who cares? You know. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well, let's talk about a couple more things before I let you go. Um, the Rays now have lost 9 out of 10 games, Tom. And explain to me, if you can, why this particular Rays team can win eight, seven, five games in a row, but just as easily lose eight in a row, which they've done now twice, and as I mentioned, nine out of the last ten. And I think a year ago, and I know it was a different team, they went through a horrific stretch, I think, where they lost 20 out of 20-something um, games anyway. What is it about the Rays where these, these streaks – are so prolonged one way or the other. Because I think they're the, I think that happens when you have inconsistent offense. I don't know how yeah. you feel about it, but I no, when you right. have a when you have a team that can put up a bunch of runs, eventually 
uh, they're going to because the pitching's been okay. Like I, I've it's been okay has with been the pitching. Very okay. Yeah. yeah. And so when you have a team that that typically when they're losing these games, it's because they're not scoring enough runs. You know. I mean, it, the example was Sunday was when okay to get a guy thrown out at the plate at the end of the game, mm-hmm. and you could tell you were at that you 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 were watching that game. You could tell what their third base coach was thinking in that situation is we don't have a good enough offense to score another run here. We may not get another hit. Uh, now, he made a horrible decision. He thought the ball had scooted a little further away than, he, than, than it had. But, I mean, his, that's the mentality of a third base coach who's saying, I got us every chance we have, a, every time we have a chance to score, we got to send a guy because I'm not confident that the next guy's going to get a hit. And I think that's the problem that the Rays are running into. They have no one player that can carry them for a week at a time. They have they don't have a lineup that's going to bash out uh, crooked number innings. You know they're not going to put up four or five in an inning ever. And and when that happens, you're not going to you're not going to score enough runs to to put together winning streaks. Usually during the course to to put together a good winning streak, you're going to have to have a couple of games where you just out hit the other guy because your pitching staff's not going to shut the other guys down, particularly in the American League. So. I think that's the problem that the Rays are running into. They just got too many nights where they're just not going to create enough offense to win a game where you need offense to win a game. And so I think we're going to continue seeing this. Their pitching's pretty decent, I think, but overall their offense just isn't consistent enough. But maybe I, I kind of like now that they're starting to bring these guys up, don't you? Yeah, I think it's the thing to do. And, and obviously there, there's a reason why they waited until now to gain more control or whatever sure. of some of these guys. So. Of the of the players you have seen or will see, and we saw Willie Adamas a little bit up here earlier um, this year, but now Jake Bowers is here, and um, certainly there's there's been some others that have have been up and down. Who to you is the most Im- impressive of the new new Rays players? I haven't seen enough of Bowers yet, but everything you hear is he's supposed to be tremendous. Willie Adamas is the guy I've been waiting on this guy for you know for two or three years ever since they made the trade. To yeah. pick him up when he was just what eighteen or nineteen years old, there were talks mm-hmm. that this kid was going to be a special player. So I'm really excited. And then he comes up, what hits a home run his first time up here, sure. uh, back when his first stint here. Uh, he's the guy that I'm really looking forward to. And this is this is a guy, Rick, that that I would expect to be in the Rays lineup for for years and years to come. Jake Bowers too, but this is a guy that I'm I'm most I'm most excited about. You've been on the Bowers bandwagon though, right? Since. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I I mean, look, I'm not the only guy here. It's not like I watched the Rays in the minor leagues or have Durham plugged into my TV or anything, (laughs) but, but he seems like a guy that's always been really productive and squares a lot of balls up. And he had a nice weekend once some balls weren't hit at people, but um, he's going to, he's a good defensive first baseman. I think he's going to help them. We'll see if his power develops even more than it has at this point. Um, You know, it's, they're in a funny place. They're, they're trying to build, you know, a young team and, um, you know, Kiermaier is still out. They still got some guys. If injuries have been a big story for them, they're still trying to spackle together the pitching staff. Um, but the, to your point, I think is is true that pitching and defense should not go in a slump. We know that hitting does, and they've had some of these against the better pitchers and the better the teams with better pitching that are in the playoffs are the ones that they've struggled against. And I think you're right. I think it goes back back to offense. I Finally, have a question, race, guys. Does base yeah, run go into a slump? Uh, well, no. Base running is just the the lack of of understanding the game. I, I, we, Steve and I have talked about this, Tom. I've never seen a baseball team that seems like they don't know when you're supposed to run to the next base. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. There was a, there was a play over the weekend, or maybe at the tail end of last week, where Malik Smith ran through a stop sign, and yeah. he ended up scoring. But it was a run that meant not like you needed to score two or three more runs after that. Yeah, and it was just a. 
it was just a, as Rick, as you know, as a base runner, and you played baseball a long time, and you, and and you played for you, you played for your dad, who was a smart baseball guy. You knew the situation. You knew going into sure. it, like, okay, I'm on second. We're losing five to one here. Yeah. I don't need to score right here, you know. So I'm no. not going to blow through stop signs. You're looking to stop at third base, honestly. Right. There are too many moments, and then and then I think there was a if I and I apologize to Malik Smith if I'm wrong about this. There was a, a I think a day or two later where they were waving him home, and he held, and he slowed up, and right. and ended up stopping at third base. It was like, Ugh. so that's again that's I don't think it goes into slumps like like Steve was asking. I and Steve I know was just throwing a question out there, but I think it's that's an example of a team that's not totally baseball aware of what's going on sometimes. And I know people are going to say, well, that's Kevin Cash's fault. But look, if you're a team like the Rays, Rick, you can't, you can't, you need, there was a, the other day where they didn't turn a double play. It's a physical thing. I get it. But they mm-hmm. didn't turn a couple of double plays. That kills them. You can't, if you're the Rays and you're struggling to be around 500, you yeah, can't get perfect. thrown out on the bases. You yeah. can't, you can't only get one when you should be turning two. You, mm-hmm. it just those things can't happen. Their margin of error is bigger or smaller, actually, because they play a lot of one-run games that that's the only way they can win them. And, yeah, when Jake Bowers runs to third on a ground ball to short, you learn that yeah. at Little League. It's got to go through with less than two out. He makes an easy out at third base. And here's so the thing. Maybe the Red Sox, maybe the Yankees do the exact same thing, except Giancarlo Stanton comes up on the next batter and bomb, hits one into yeah. the seats. And right. you don't notice it. You know, with the Rays, you notice it when they, when they get thrown out on the bases. No doubt about it. Finally, on the Rays, I just wanted to ask real quickly, they have a deadline coming up that people had forgotten about, and I guess that's December 31st. And that's basically when they have to let the city of St. Petersburg know if they're opting out of their of their stadium deal that's coming up in a few years. What do you think happens on that day? I, th- I think it comes and goes, and, uh, and I think we'll be back here late January still trying to figure out what's going on. I can't imagine between now and the end of the year they're going to have a deal ham- hammered out with Hillsborough County and the site in Ebor City. Maybe I'm wrong, but, I mean, it, there's going to – Let's face it. There's going to be taxpayer money involved somehow in that right. in the building of that stadium. Now they don't have to have the complete deal done. They just have to have basically a framework done so they can let say Pete knows. Hey, we're we're definitely going over there. I don't right. see that happening. And then at that point, the city of St. Pete can can renegotiate the terms of them letting them look around at other places like Ebor City, mm-hmm. and the penalty is going to be greater than it is now. So um, I think we're, I think we're going to be back here in January. Uh, I think it's going to take a while after January before we figure out exactly what's going on again. But I can't imagine the stadium deal is going to be in place. Even the, the skeleton of a deal will be in place by December 31st. Yeah, Ken Hagen has said as much The uh, in Hillsborough County commissioners um, don't feel like that's possible. So yeah, maybe we're talking about somebody writing a check. Here it comes <laughs> soon just to. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Uh, just to make In that French, they'll be writing that check. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Mont- Montreal. Read a story about Parc Jarry yeah, the other exactly. day. So is that still around? I don't know. Swimming pool and right field. It was kind of cool <laughs> back in the day. Um, okay, finally on the Bucks, they have their mandatory mini camp. You and I will be out there along with our cast of thousands yeah, right. um, this weekend. I think everybody from the – well, it's not as big a cast as it used to be, but everybody – 
plus sure. a couple interns will be there. Um, that said, uh, you know, look, there's a lot of storylines with the Bucks, um, and I'm just going to ask you one. Um, of, of the new additions, whether that's a draft pick, um, whether that's you know, free agents, the trade of JPP, what have yeah, you, yeah. if you had to single out just one player that you think might have the biggest impact on 2018 at this point, and it's really early, we haven't even gotten to yeah, training yeah. camp, who do you think that would be? Oh, you just said him, JPP. I think Jason Pierre-Paul is going to be the key to this team. Look, Rick, you've covered this team forever, and I can't remember the last time they had a guy who could rush the quarterback the way this guy potentially can. I know his numbers sure. were down a little bit last year. and uh, Yeah, but eight and a half would have led this team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Easily. And this is a – a guy who was still trying to figure out he was coming back off of a pretty serious, uh, pretty serious injury. Um, no, I think this guy's definitely a key to this team. If he could get, imagine the difference he can make. As we've looked at this team, we talk about how they struggle at cornerback and they and they they can't cover cover the other team that. Uh, receivers how much easier their lives will be if they could get a guy that can consistently you know, he didn't have to get 10 sacks or 12 sacks if he could at least get to the quarterback and make him throw the ball a little bit early what a difference that could make with this team so that's the guy to me that i think is uh could have the biggest impact who's the guy who's the guy you're looking at um well i like that pick um and we haven't seen him in the offseason because he skipped all the otas which were voluntary and um but he he will be there in fact uh on uh, monday he checked in and so looks like he'll be at the mandatory minicamp i'm gonna say um and and i'm not disagreeing with you but if i had to pick another player i would say ronald jones and and only because um they've been so um unbalanced as an offense for so long and the lack of explosive plays in a running game has been something that has just killed them, I think. Uh, and, and not that the offense is really the biggest problem, but when you can't score touchdowns in the red zone, a lot of that has to do with the inability to run the football. Um, and again, you just got no explosives out of that running game whatsoever, and that's what this guy is supposed to be about. I've seen running backs sort of you know, put the offense on their back a little bit. If you think about Jameis Winston having to do everything for them, um, this could bring some balance and make the play-action passing work. So I'm anxious to see just how that whole thing pans out, but um, I would agree with you that, you know, obviously th- their lack of, of a pass rush, 22 sacks on the season, quarterbacks completing damn near 70% of their throws, um, you know, huge ratings every week. And in, in a division with those quarterbacks, oh, yeah. you just can't win if you can't affect the quarterback. And that's sort of been who they've been. They, they, they just were completely, um, you know, without any kind of pressure at all last year. I know that you've uh, – this has become your life lately too – is yeah. the whole Jameis Winston in the investigation? I mean, it's got to wrap up. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I've talked to enough people that, um, you know, if they leave this summer and that where we're talking about is on Thursday, if they if they part on Thursday without a decision, um, it's going to be very dis- it's going to be very disabling, um, somewhat for maybe that's not the right word, uh, disgusting, maybe disappointing, to the very least, discouraging, discouraged. I go back to disappointed. <laughs> Um, but it's going to be all those D words because they just can't explain why this continues to roll on. We're in our eighth month. Um, there doesn't seem, at least from, from what I can gather, to be a whole lot more uh, investigating maybe to do. Um, you know, uh, And so I don't know what we're down to, but we've seen in the case of Ezekiel Elliott where there was a lot of um, criminal complaints and things sure. like this and depositions – um, you know, that went as far as into the month of August. I mean, that was, you know, two weeks into training camp. So we've seen him go longer for sure. 
and yet we've also seen them come down in, in May before with some of these things. So somewhere between now and, and uh, you know, when they reconvene, they certainly need an answer. But, uh, boy, I'm, I'm, I, we're not just week to week. I think we're day to day maybe on this. I, I just keep waiting for the league to render a decision here, and they hope certainly that it's, you know, he's fine and, and he's not going to miss any games. But if he does, that becomes such a big story of this season. Absolutely. Now, do if you're the Bucks and say nothing happens here in the next few days in terms of, um, yeah. yeah, while they're in while they're in this this uh, mini camp, mm-hmm. um, do you have to prepare like do, if you're Dirk Cutter, do you go into saying, you know what, Jameis knows the system, he knows everything that's going on. Do do they have to almost prepare as if, hey, let's let's go into this like he may not play the first game or two. Um, I don't know when that when that would come you know that's it's not like it's a running back you know I mentioned Ezekiel Elliott right before you know actually during training camp for the preseason this one would be a little trickier because um you know if let's say Jameis is going to miss significant time more than one game okay one game you know you look you can you can turn an ankle and miss one game right that may not change a whole lot but if it were more than that um say three games or something significant even two games to some extent yeah. Then I think you have to, at some point in training camp, I think it changes the reps. I think it, it changes how you approach the third preseason game where the starters generally play into the second half. Is that or is Jameis playing at all in that game? Is, is he the guy coming back after halftime? What about the fourth preseason game when you would normally not play any starters, but you know that Winston, it's his last look at live competition until maybe as much as three to four yeah, weeks like before month, he comes yeah. back. So, you know, do you get him more work in that game? I, I think you have to have a plan, and it does change things. Right now it's all hypotheticals, but I know the Bucks will have a plan. They, they went through it a little bit with Doug Martin um, last year, knowing he was going to miss three games, but I don't think it's anything that approximates the quarterback position. I mean, this guy handles the ball on every snap, so a little, a little different. Having said that, Fitzpatrick is an, Ryan Fitzpatrick is an experienced guy. He's 35. Um, this is his second year in the system. He he played last year in the spur of the moment and was two and one in the three games he started and played okay in Arizona once they got going. So I I don't know that you know they would they would feel like you know that it's something that they couldn't handle right, um, right. even if it were a spur of the moment, which it won't be. So. Yeah, they should know. know by they should know by training camp. I mean, in other words, it's not going to affect this mini camp. You probably wouldn't think, right? I mean, it won't affect the mini camp at all. I don't think you do anything different here. Jameis is going to get the bulk of the reps, and really, they kind of. I mean, the way it goes at this time of the year, it's not as important that you know you're not getting ready to prepare for a game. So every, I think they focus mostly on the first two quarterbacks, and they have four in camp, so they'll all get their chances. But right now, the way it's split up, I mean, I saw OTA days where Jameis got. 15 snaps with the with the team and team drills with the first unit that's that's not a lot but that's that's about right when you split them up for a one and a half hour two hour practice right right. so it it is what it is i know but it will it affect this weekend or this week i'm sorry no it won't will it affect how they prepare for training camp it potentially can and uh and, and bigger than that i just think it's a big cloud that kind of sits on the organization right now and it's got to be weighing on guys whose whole futures depend on having number three under center, you sure. know, come come week one. So yeah. we'll see what happens. You'll be out there, as I mentioned. Everybody will be out there. It'll be great. <laughs> uh, and we'll try to – got lots of work to do. Yes, lots of work to do between now and August. So uh, we can all, – all hands on deck. It'll be fun. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Tommy. We'll see you out there then. Uh, sounds great, Rick. See ya.
Okay, so you don't have to panic now, Bucks fans. Uh, the word is, and I've got I got this confirmed earlier, actually on Monday, but JPP did report to the Bucks uh, mandatory minicamp, so he will be there uh, today through Thursday, and he will be working. So yeah, tragedy averted. People were actually like worried about this, like this was a big thing. Oh man, I have a feeling he's not going to be there. I mean, I, this is it's happened before, but I never got the sense that that would be the case with JPP. Now. We'll see what kind of shape he's in and all that, and, and the Bucks will be watching closely, but everything will, should be fine. In fact, all the players have to be there, even the injured guys They won't be working, but we'll have a chance to at least see them uh, standing around. So that's a good thing. Also, um, this has uh, got the attention of, of a lot of people, including Gerald McCoy, but you know the NFL Network, uh, NFL.com, does this uh, top 100 players in the league each year, and, and you know it, it moves around. Uh, based on you know guys coming in and out of the league and just what their Q rating is. And it's voted on, I believe, by other players, if I'm not mistaken. This is how it's like a poll. Well, uh, bad news for the Bucks if you're into that sort of thing, and, uh, and the players kind of are. They're at number 21 now. <laughs> they got like 20 or 21 players left. And so far, the Bucks don't have any. So I think it's, I think it's pretty safe bet at this point that the Bucks will be shut out. Are there other teams the- that don't have any at this point? I don't know this. I mean, it's a great question. I probably should have prepared it for it, but I don't know. Outside Gerald McCoy, I don't know if I would put anybody in the top 100. Mike Evans? Okay, Mike Evans would be the other one. Maybe Levante David? Maybe. I don't know if I could find 100. I, I don't know if I, I mean, could. Maybe he doesn't make 100, but my point is, I mean, I think Mike Evans is a top. Yeah, no, my, Mike Evans, yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. Receiver. You're absolutely correct on Mike Evans. So I mean I don't know how he could get not in the top 100 players. I no, mean, he didn't. He didn't have as as productive of a year last season no. as he had the years prior. And sometimes no, that, and sometimes your latest result can skew these kind of polls, especially when voted by other players and and they're going well, to skew something scores happened and like clearly. That. Yeah, and the reason is I mean look they were five and eleven. I mean they were they were no well, that doesn't help you, but yeah that's that's the main thing. But if you want to talk about Mike Evans, there's been. And I know he got it on the last game of the season. He got his 1,000 yards, just 1,001, I believe. But regardless, there's been two other players in the history of the NFL have a 1,000 yards, at least a 1,000 yards in each of their first four seasons, and that's Randy Moss and, uh, and, and uh, Green from uh, Cincinnati. A.J. Green, um, yeah. Yep. A.J. Green. So, I mean, you know, they've been playing football a while now. No, I, I would say and, McCoy and Evans surprised me. Anybody else, I wouldn't have predicted they'd be in the top 100. Right, but at least there should be a player. I mean, the Bucks. I mean, talent-wise, you know, they, they obviously didn't produce as a team, but they do have some pieces. It's not as mm-hmm. if... Well, every team does. I mean, out. even the Browns have some right. pieces. Absolutely. Absolutely they do. Although one of them just I'm retired, at, Joe Thomas. I'm at but. a loss. Now that Joe Thomas is gone, I'm at a loss to see if they have anybody else that would be on that list, but we'll see. Um, so, yeah, that was a... That was the thing. Joe McCoy picked up on on Twitter on it, and uh, well, maybe he's in, maybe comments. he's number twenty one or twenty. I don't think so. <laughs> I think we're down to you know this is the cream de la cream now. The top twenty players now the, the top NFL. ten quarterbacks and then ten other players. <laughs> no, I mean you could probably name five quarterbacks that are going to be in the top twenty, right? Oh, maybe, absolutely, maybe even more than that. Absolutely, so, Brady, starting Rogers, with Brady, maybe Drew Brees, you know, um, Wilson. Roethlisberger, I don't know if he's gone yet, but you know, Matt, there's, there's a lot Ryan, of guys. Cam Newton, yeah, some of those have been named, but I mean, I'm just saying that you know, there's a lot of guys, and then then you get into your defensive studs, and 
you know, before long, you're at 20. I mean, it's not there's not enough players, not enough highway to get them on there, as they say. So. I mean, you know, look, there's 32 teams in the league, about 100 players, sure. so the average team's going to get three. Three each, right? Yeah. That's what you'd be looking at. If it, if it were just cut yeah, down. Yeah, I mean, the, the, average, the average is three per team. Right. And but you would think most teams some. would get at least one. Yeah. Yeah, oh, sure. I mean, you would think, but um, I don't know. We'll have to go back and see what other teams got shut out, but I think the Bucks did. And it's a thing because I don't think they've been shut out before. And Jameis. Maybe maybe, maybe the, the Russians radar. hacked it. <laughs> I don't know, man. I Maybe they were interfering I, in the voting. I think the problem was they asked other players. <laughs> There's just – there's just no respect for them as a football team because they just whip up on everybody. So they got another reason to grind their axe this year and, and uh, come Another back chip and, on and, that shoulder. Yeah, man, just, just collecting chips. Those aren't the chips they talk about collecting, but they, they do have those chips. So let's talk about the Rays real quick. We'll wrap it up here. Um, man, hard not to like what the future looked like, at least in one snapshot on Monday night. I mean, you know, Jake Bowers has come up, and he's played a couple games. He got his first major league hit the other day. He has uh, two hits on Monday night, um, doubles, doubles. Yeah, two for I three and two walks, too. Had a couple of walks, really, really knows how to organize the strike zone, which is hard to do when Joe West is behind the plate. Goodness gracious, by the way, Joe West. Dude, Ooh, call country, a strike twice Joe. in the same. Country Joe is bad behind the plate. He's always, always bad. has been. Oh, my goodness. I wouldn't know how to hit or pitch with that guy. Literally, he would give a guy two baseballs off the outside edge throw it there again, and it's a ball. I mean, it was just how do you know whether to protect or swing at it or not swing at it and take the walk. So, anyway, Country Joe was back there. And despite that, the Bowers with a huge home run, his first major league home run that actually gave the Rays a 5-4 to four lead. And, uh, and just for good measure, uh, Willie Adamez, of course, who has played with Bowers, I think, since like 2014, and they've kind of come up together and have been really good teammates and good friends, um, he's up because they put Daniel Robertson uh, on the DL, although that might not be for a long stint. But you, nonetheless, you got you to gotta think Adamas is up here to stay now. He's got to be once you brought him up this time. I know he came up the last time with injuries for a few days, but this time he should be here to stick. And so um, he gets the start. He has a couple of walks, an RBI single, a sack fly, I believe. So these guys had a day, the two of them. And and the other thing they did was that I, I still and Kevin Cash talked about this a little bit. They bring energy. I mean, we have a couple guys, you know, there's nothing like seeing the game through the through the prism of somebody making their major league big debuts. You know, when you're in the grind of a season, when you've been in the majors for a couple years maybe, or in, in the case of some of these players, a lot of years, even though the Rays have a predominantly young team, they're almost to the all-star break now. They're, they're grinding, having lost nine out of ten. And here comes a couple of fresh-faced guys that are just glad to be there, you know, and – Everything they do, they're doing it for the first time, and they have so much juice, and you feed off of it a little bit. And certainly they got huge hits, and uh, Adamas played a good shortstop. Bowers is a good glove at first. So all of a sudden now you've got some pieces, um, you know, to, to add to what you already had, and, and these guys are, you know, these guys are fresh. I mean, this is – everything is, is new to them. So they had a ball, and they talked about – Every minute of that was fun, you know. Um... <laughs> We kept making eye contact. We couldn't help but just to, you know, crack a smile just because, you know, like we were talking about before, it's just, you know, we've talked about it for a while. 
um, played with each other the past, you know, three, four years now. And, uh, you know, for all of it to come together and to be here now, yeah, it was, it was special out there. And, uh, you know, I hope that feeling kind of sticks around for a while. It was way, I mean, it was way different, you know, and especially because we got the win. And, you know, the team, did, we, we played good. And, you know, I got to see Jay Bowers, his first homer. I think he was waiting for me to get here to hit the Pittsburgh homer, but it was it was pretty pretty amazing for me uh, to be here and be part of, part of it. And you know, the pitches they look good, team look good. I think if we keep this going, I think we're gonna win a lot of games. This is what they talked about. I mean, imagine being in single A and double A and triple A, all the nights that you you know you talked about. Hey, you know, wouldn't it be great if we made it to the majors and Who's going to make it first? And wh- what about that day when we're both there and we're going to take over this franchise? We'll be the we'll be the key pieces one day. And there you are. And it happened on Monday night. There they both were. Well, not um, only that, but they've had a lot playing. of success along the way too. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've been winning titles, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, Durham last year won the internet or the, won the championship last year, and you know, so it's yeah. not just hey, we're playing and we're the future of the franchise, but. It's okay. I mean, they've been leading the charge of, of winning teams in the minors for this organization. So there's a lot of hope and and expectations on them too, which you know they need to manage and and from the coaching staff on down too. But uh, it is exciting. It's fun, as we've said it a lot this year. And even though they've struggled in hitting lately, it's a fun team to watch. And adding Jake Bowers and Willie Damas just adds to that. Yeah, and they're obviously going to have days and maybe weeks where they struggle, and those are coming. And this, but this was against the Toronto Blue Jays, and at least for a day, they kept coming back. They, 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 you know, fell behind one nothing, then it's one one. They fall behind three one, then it's three three. I mean, they they did this sort of more or less the whole game, um, and then finally separated there at the end. It was just good to see. You had also guys like Diego Castillo come in and give up just one hit and struck out a couple in relief. Um, he's another guy who can throw 100 miles an hour. That was a young player. That that could be certainly their closer one day. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of interesting to see this thing you know fill itself out. And and then I guess Kevin Kiermaier is going to be starting a rehab stint pretty soon. So you get, yeah. get him back. Danny Echevarria started his today. Yeah. If there's some bad news, it's about Chris Archer. He got up after uh, I guess a pretty extended bullpen and just felt a little bit sore with that abdominal strain. So they're going to uh, be more cautious with him now. So it might be a while, a little while Yeah, there was a chance he was going to start Sunday. Right. But that's not going to happen now. Not going to happen. So uh, their their pitching will be scrambling a little bit. They're going to start Ryan Stanek uh, in the game against Toronto tonight. Yeah, Austin Pruitt will get a majority of the innings, but Stanek will be the opener. Sure, the opener, and then they'll need a a closer. But, um, But, yeah, I mean, this is... Look, give them a couple of years. I mean, this is the this is sort of the glide path that they wanted to be on, and um, we'll see what impact they make from this point forward. But um, certainly, you like the fact that they finally have some position players to get excited about, and these are bright-eyed kids. These are guys that have a lot of talent that can do it both with the glove and the bat. They're not one-dimensional. Uh, they're going to be in the lineup every day if they stay healthy. So uh, it's going to be kind of cool. I think I think this is you can draw some parallels to when. Some of those young guys, you know, the B.J. Uptons and the Evan Longorias came up and, um, you know, of course, we're not predicting they go to the World Series this year, but, um, you know, that's that's sort of what happened back in the day. And it's been a while since they've had that infusion of uh, position players. So we'll see what happens. Should be pretty interesting. 
So we got uh, Bucks mini camp starting today. Of course, I'll be out there. We'll have reports on TampaBay.com. Um, we have a lot of writers. Uh, we're going to get a lot of interviews, I think, while we're there as well that we can um, play not only just on this podcast but archive for, for later on, get, get to know some of the rookies and whatnot. Um, so a lot of exciting things. I'll probably have a chance to talk to JPP and find out what's been going on with him and, and, and just – how do you feel about forfeiting a quarter of a million dollars not to work out? Wouldn't take me that much to get in that building, but he chose to stay away. We'll find out what kind of shape he's in. And then, um, of course, Jameis is always someone that's interesting as, as this r- ridiculous investigation just con- continues to have no end or seemingly no end. So three more days of practice, and then they go on their summer break. So we'll have a lot to talk about this week with the Bucks. As always, we'd love for you guys to interact with us. You can do that on Twitter. Um, lots of interaction during the week, uh, and we appreciate that. I love your comments. If you, if you want to hear something different on this podcast, if there's any requests for interviews or what you like about it, somebody wrote that they like the Rays talk um, that we do, and, and we do do a lot of Rays talk. Obviously, they're, they're in season now. They're, you know, the NHL season is over, and football hasn't quite begun just yet, so this is sort of the Rays time of year. Um, but there are other things that you'd like for us to discuss. We certainly will do that. You can interact with us. On Twitter, you can reach us at SportsDayTV, at SportsDayTV. You can reach me at NFL Stroud on Twitter. My email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. As always, please rate and review this podcast. We love when you do that. And there's no excuse for you not to listen to this podcast, Steve, because it is everywhere. You can get it on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, any third-party podcasting app that you use. Uh, You can subscribe there, download it, you can like it, review it, leave comments, or if you can't find it, tampabay.com slash sports. It should be your first place you go to every day for the sports headlines. The podcasts are right there on the right side as well. You can click and listen there. Hope you enjoyed uh, our chat, uh, like old times, with Tom Jones, and he'll be doing that from time to time. We've uh, managed to get him on once a week. We'll hope to at least maintain that and maybe a few more times coming up uh, as well. Uh, Again, check on tampabay.com for the latest of the Bucks mini camp, and we will talk to you tomorrow. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud. Have a great day, everybody. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.